0: Just I was just gonna start with the Hey Patrick, but then you're doing the wiggly. Fingers. no, no we're gonna clap first, man. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, thank you. <laughs> just I was so that was it was wonderful. It was delightful. <laughs> I was just kind of confused for a second, but yeah, that's yeah. great. Thank you.
1: <laughs> okay, ready? Three, two, one.
0: Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Hey Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> hey Andy. How are you doing today man?
1: I'm doing good. It's Friday. Uh, not, the, I don't know what, what that means. Because Saturday just means I got to work in my house. So. No, you're
0: not supposed to tell the listeners what day it is. We we record this this podcast out of out of place and time, Patrick. It's just a, a nebulous thing when when we create this content. It's it's everlasting, Patrick. It's not. I know. I
1: was just well, I was just I was really trying to throw the people off because it's really Monday at two in the morning. So yeah. I was just trying to like <laughs> throw them off. It's not really Friday. That's why I don't sound very excited and tired because it's Monday at two yeah. in the morning.
0: We're, we're going to try our best to sound uh, <laughs> like it's Friday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Happy Friday, everyone. <laughs> Do you like dots? You know dots candy? I'll show them to you. See these dots? Do you like these? Yes. Some little gumdropy things? things?
0: Uh, I, I enjoy those. So they're difficult because they are so hard to eat and they get stuck in your teeth for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh Other than that, though, I actually really like their taste. Uh, And I'm a a gummy sort of fella. Like, I like that sort of stuff, that that sort of candy. I'm a gummy fella. Um, So I do like dots, but I usually regret it after I have my first one. Yeah. Because it takes like 30 minutes to get out of your teeth after you eat just one of those. It
1: takes a while, yeah. But the strategy is when you eat the first one, it gets stuck in your teeth. Then you put in the next one, and the next one will pull (laughs) the other one out of your teeth. Yeah. But then they get, then both of them get stuck in your teeth. So then you need a third one to pull the first two out of your teeth. That's true. There's there's strawberry, which is the pink. There's cherry, the the more red. Lemon, um, orange, that's explanatory. And then there's green, which is lime. <laughs> which one do you prefer the most out of the dots? Oh man. Um, do you have a preference?
0: No, not at all. I I don't have a problem with any of those. <laughs> any of those flavors. And I, I almost find, Patrick, that typically with a lot of candies that have lots of different like flavors inside, you know, those fruity-type candies, mm-hmm. a lot of them kind of end up tasting similar. I, I don't <laughs> eat them separately. You know, you kind of eat a little bit of a handful. Yeah, so you kind of put them together, right? Yeah, it's like a it's a fruit salad that you're really eating. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a medley. <laughs> so I think I, I cannot say. I couldn't tell you what my favorite Skittle was. Um, couldn't tell you my favorite Mike and Ike was, uh, just cause I always see them in groups. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, li- I like that perspective. I was going to go, I was going to go more negative and I was going to talk bad about the lime and how I don't like it and all that stuff. But I, I think you, your perspective is much more of a progressive perspective on the world of candy. <laughs> Good. You're all inclusive.
0: Yes. So I like
1: that. <laughs> That's, so yeah, I think I'm true. gonna I'm gonna open my mind. I'm gonna open my mind up a little bit. You've changed. You've changed me, Andy. I'm gonna <laughs> open my mind and I'm gonna start giving the greens a chance.
0: You should. You really should. And
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna eat them together and see what that tastes like.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good call. That's it's the way I live my life and it hasn't done me <laughs> wrong yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's a good way to go. However, I kind of understand where you're coming with with. <laughs> with dots because they're so hard to eat and again like we we talked about this in the beginning like if you eat one you have to eat another one to get it Mm -hmm. you know pulled out of your teeth so with dots you kind of do have to eat them one at a time
1: (laughs) yeah you can't eat like four of them at the same time yeah should we try it
0: let's do it let's let's watch Patrick choke
1: whoa geez I just (laughs) spilled I spilled like six of them well I spilled a bunch of them okay I got (laughs) I, I took all the greens out already because I think they're disgusting. So we won't even put those in. But I need oh I need I need a yellow. Hold on.
0: Wait, hold on. You took the greens out. Like, I took the greens out. <laughs> can you explain that process to me?
1: You open the box and dump them all out on a napkin and take all the <laughs> greens out and then put them in a baggie and give this give it to somebody else <laughs> who likes greens. Okay, so I got I've got <laughs> I've got a a pink, an orange, a red, and a and a yellow. So strawberry, what was the, strawberry, cherry? I don't know the difference between a strawberry and a cherry. Like, even if I ate a strawberry and a cherry, they taste the same to me. I mean, different textures, obviously.
0: They're they're just red. They just taste like red. Yeah, they just taste
1: like red. (laughs) It reminds me when uh, uh, somebody asked Bert Kreischer why he eats so much Kool-Aid, why he drinks so much Kool-Aid. He says he loves it, and they asked him what flavor he liked the best. He just said red. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got a pink. I got a red, a yellow, and an orange. Let's see what they taste like. I threw the lime out, so it shouldn't be disgusting. And there Thumb he goes. Chewing.
0: There he goes, folks. This is this is what it sounds like to, to eat. How many was that, four that you just it's put in? Four. Four dots yeah. at the same time.
1: Four dots. It's kind of, it's a little bit too much.
0: <laughs> this is going to be a great conversation. <laughs> um, but so Patrick, there's, there's something you didn't finish describing, that I, I still am very curious about your process. <laughs> so you, you, you described, <laughs> you, you, you pour them all out on a napkin, you mm-hmm. put the green ones in a baggie and you, you know, gave them to somebody you, you don't away. care that much about. And then
1: I got, I got just update. Okay. I've, I've chewed and swallowed the dots. And they all wow. tasted fruity, but yeah. they all tasted good. There wasn't a negative part of that. Nice. Well, um, but now good. I have them all stuck in my teeth. So yes. i sorry the next it, phase.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's...
1: But yeah, put, them, put all the green ones in the baggie and give them to somebody else who likes them.
0: <laughs> but then you put the other ones back in the box for you to eat?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Back in the box. Okay, so you're not Just like, box. you're not putting them on a plate and you're getting a fork and knife and cutting them up into small pieces, right?
1: No. Not unless I'm wearing a tuxedo.
0: Okay. Just wanted to, I mean. Which is
1: every Tuesday night.
0: Every Tuesday night?
1: Uh, tuxedo Tuesday. That's what we call it around the house. Okay. That makes you sense. You might have Taco Tuesday. <laughs> we have Tuxedo Tuesday. All right. <laughs> I need a little drink. Okay, I got it all. St- they're all out of my teeth now. <laughs> well, almost. I think there's just there's still a little bit back there, but
0: okay. Well, that's that's good.
1: I think I like the medley. That's nice.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's good. I, I feel like dots are kind of they're <laughs> bigger than most of those smaller fruity candies. You know that you usually typically yeah. that you usually eat. So they're bigger and they get stuck in your teeth. So they're they're difficult, right? But yeah, Skittles. Um, Skittles,
1: you can throw a whole handful in your mouth. D- exactly. Uh, dots. Not not, a, not an entire handful.
0: Yeah. And that's the whole point of Skittles is to taste the rainbow, not taste the red, not <laughs> taste the violet, right? Not, not taste that...
1: just the stripe, but the whole thing at once.
0: Yeah, exactly. So Skittles, they know what they're doing. Um, I would say one, just one, one last thing about dots that I do like is I think you get a lot of good tongue exercise with all of that. <laughs> getting, getting stuff out of your teeth. <laughs> It's like it's really good strength training for the tongue.
1: Strength training for the tongue—that seems like a weird thing to observe, but yeah, it is. But I'm with you. I don't. I I think that's true. I'm just saying. It seems like what? What are you gonna do with that information?
0: I don't know, but I I do feel (laughs) like after I I finish eating a box of dots, my tongue is very tired from getting stuff, you know, picked out of your teeth.
1: Mm -hmm. It's true.
0: So. I'm just trying to pull out all the, the potential good things that can come out yes. of eating candy.
1: Yeah, the silver linings. I, I'm with you. Yeah. Silver. Lin- Sometimes eating candy can not have silver linings.
0: Yeah. A lot yeah. of times, honestly.
1: Especially if you're diabetic or something. Yeah. Be, be horrible for you.
0: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> this is going great. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, well, do we have a topic? Other than dots?
0: Um, I think so. I think we do. Uh, We have a list of topics, and we are going to randomly choose a topic for today to talk about. Uh, And, Patrick, it looks like today's topic um, comes from an anonymous listener. Uh, We will call them Dot.
1: Dot. Dotty? Yeah, Dot or Dotty.
0: Yeah, Dotty. I like Dotty better. Dotty wants to know... How to survive at companies with poor executives.
1: Oh, man. This isn't even a design question.
0: I guess I could add to that if you're a
1: designer. (laughs) (laughs) I think we answered Dottie's... I think Dottie answered her own question in the question. That's my take. I think she... I think Dottie... Anonymous Dottie answered her own question by saying, how do you survive a company with bad executives? That's exactly how you do it. You survive. That's what you do. You survive. But you don't flourish. You don't grow. You don't uh, learn. I mean, I guess you learn.
0: You absolutely learn. I think you can also uh, get, (laughs) I don't know, laid off. (laughs) You can get... (laughs) um, You know, executed as an employee, (laughs) terminated, I guess terminated is the word I'm looking for, not executed.
1: Executed is what they did to employees back in the day, man. Yeah. (laughs) Even terminate sounds bad. It does. I think you go get a new job. That's what I think you do. I don't think you, I don't, otherwise, otherwise, yeah, you just survive. You're just, you're just, it's like you're doggy paddling Mm -hmm. in a river, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess it you're just trying to keep your head above water. I don't know if there's any tips for doing that other than just <laughs> just you know doing the best that you can and and you know understand you're probably not going to make an impact.
0: Yeah. Do you think so, Patrick? So do you feel like you cannot make an impact to maybe improve the the poor <laughs> I guess the poor performance of executives or or the way those executives might be thinking?
1: I guess it depends on what what the bad part means on the executive team. Is it bad decision-making? Is it selfishness? Is it greed? Is it what's making it bad? Is it, you know, is it toxic stuff? I mean, I just freaking read an article the other day about uh, Activision, and I shouldn't read these articles because they just just make me feel like I want to quit tech and go work at a bowling alley. But (laughs) Activision is being sued now for, like, horrible, horrible – Sexism. I mean, terrible frat like frat house behavior. Hmm. Um, you know, illegal stuff, horrible stuff. They've had, they've had. Um, the story was about a woman who committed suicide on a company trip, which I'm like, okay, if that's happening at your company, obviously your executive team is trash. Like, there's just no doubt about wow. it. So, I guess it depends on on what level of severity you're talking about. What 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 bad means. I think if you're I think if you're if it's a culture if it's a toxic culture I don't think there's anything you're gonna do I just don't I don't I just think you gotta you gotta move on because I don't think you can make an impact as an individual contributor or designer or you know even a design manager or design leader I, there's just not there's not a whole lot you can do um, if if the toxicity is coming from you know, the executive team, if it's, if it's poor decision-making, if you're a design leader, or you're a designer, I think you can, I think you can, you can make an impact there. You can, you can weigh in when you can and, you know, see, see how you can influence the team maybe. Um, and, and maybe there's a chance you can make an impact that way. If it's, if it's just bad decision-making. Um, so I think it it just depends on what, uh, Dotty means by bad, I think.
0: Yeah. I I think that's a great point. So, I think what I'm hearing is figuring out what makes these poor executives poor, right? Is it, is it, you know, extreme toxicity? Uh, is it poor decision-making as you said? Um, and kind of, I think going from there, it's making a decision, whether as to, can you actually help those poor executives become less poor (laughs) with your expertise? Um, or is this something that's outside of your control? Right?
1: Yeah. I think that's where that's where when when you're interviewing for companies or you're looking at stuff, that's where looking at uh, the culture is just a weird word, but like like looking at how they operate and what traditions they have and things like that, right? Like I think that's that's what you want to you want to make sure because if you come into a place that's you know going to be harmful to you mm-hmm. physically, mentally, emotionally, like you. There's no, I don't, I don't think there's any changing that, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like going to prison and being like, Hey, let's clean up the prison, you know, at that point, (laughs) like if, if policies are so toxic and gross and if, you know, behavior is so awful, then I don't know how you're going to change that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's not, not something really you can affect, honestly, (laughs) but I really like that point, um, to look for that (laughs) sort of behavior, when you're actually applying to jobs, right? To understand what that culture is like. Mm -hmm. So diving in a little bit more into that, Patrick, how would somebody try to figure that out in a job interview? Uh, (laughs) Like, how would you, and I guess this is probably a hard thing I'm putting you on the spot for, but I wonder how you could understand the culture of that company overall.
1: I think, well, and I think too, most companies don't, they don't, it, during an interview process, they don't even really allow you to discover that in the interview process. Mm-hmm. So I think fundamentally, and I don't think that's a flaw. I, I, well, I think it's a flaw, but I don't think it means that the company's toxic or anything. But, but generally, generally speaking, I think most companies are so focused on finding uh, There, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of ego when you hire, when people are applying like you. Like as a hiring manager, as a company, you think, well, I'm going to find the right person that fits us, you know, instead of finding the right fit, you know? And so I think, I think you get into companies where all they do is interview you, make you do homework, make you do stuff. And they never allow you, they might, they might give you 10 minutes to be like, ask us any questions you want. And then you can ask them like, does your company culture suck? Are you toxic? Like, but you're never going to get a good answer, right? You're always going to get like, we're the greatest. Mm-hmm. You know, cause I think most companies want to put on, they, they kind of want to put on, they, they kind of have an attitude that you're, you want to come work for us because we're cool or whatever, you know, they don't want to expose their flaws or anything. I think the, I think, you know, some companies, we, we tried to be better like, like with this at Canopy, we tried to do some little shadowing and we tried to, you know, do some different things so that the people that we were interviewing could see a little bit more of how we operate. But even that, it's so limited, it's just such a limited exposure. Um, I think the best way to do it honestly is is talk to people that you know that work there if If you know people that work there, um, you know check check the company's references. Mm-hmm. you know, get on Glassdoor reviews. same same way you review like an Amazon product, right? like if you get if you're looking to buy a bicycle on Amazon right, you go down to the reviews. And, and you don't look at the... Like, let's take the example. I think it works better for hotels than Amazon products because there's weird stuff there. But if, you, if you're if you trying to book a hotel, you go to the reviews, you go down to the reviews and you you sort of count how many one-star reviews they have, I right? Know. Like, you're like, okay, they have 17. Well, that seems a little high. They have 17 one-stars. So maybe, at, maybe we won't go to this hotel. Um, or you go down and be like, well, they have two one-star reviews. And then you go to those two one-star reviews, and you read those two one-star reviews, and one of them says, you know, hey, they didn't they didn't accept my Visa card, and they were jerks, which has really nothing to do with the hotel, right? It's just mm-hmm. kind of an angry guy or whatever. <laughs> and then you go to the next one, and it's like, there's rats everywhere. Yeah. Well, that one is the red flag, right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wait, there's rats everywhere? So then maybe you go to like a two- or three-star review and see if anybody else mentions rats or anything like that right like you i think you sort of start with the bottom of the barrel and kind of work your way up and when you do reviews and then sometimes you you go you go to like a one-star review and they're like the pool wasn't hot enough you know the pool like yeah. you you keep getting these things like the pool was cold the pool wasn't hot enough and you're like what well, does that's not important to me you know i don't really i'm, I'm not going to swim in the pool mm-hmm. so that's not really important to me so i think i think that's i think you approach it the same way where you hit like you hit glass door you look at their company <clears throat> and just like a hotel just like amazon there are people on there promoting the product in the reviews so don't go to the five stars right go to the low ones go to the one stars first and look at those one stars to see what people are saying if, if they're down in those one stars saying the executive team doesn't know what they're doing they don't they you know they make poor decisions the next one says the executive team and leadership makes poor decisions like you can start to get a feel of like, yeah, maybe the company's successful despite the poor decision making, which you can make a better decision on what their culture's like, mm-hmm. you know, or you go down there and say like, you know, because everybody in the five stars is gonna be like, culture, it's all that fake culture stuff, like they they have snacks in the office and they let us work from from home and blah 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 blah. It's all that fake stuff, but then you get down in the 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 ones and the twos, and that's when I think you'll see some toxicity, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I love but just that. Just for
1: those same patterns.
0: That's a really that's a really good point. Looking at Glassdoor, I think makes a lot of sense. People have on Glassdoor, in comparison to like when you're doing a job interview, you know, when you're asking those questions, they have more um, anonymous, anonymous. What's that word? Anonymous. <laughs> anonymous. They have anonymous, anonymity. Anonymity. Thank you, Patrick. Anonymity. See <laughs> <Anonymity.
1: laughs> an enemy. <laughs>
0: it's two o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> on glass door uh, individuals have more anonymity okay. <laughs> okay I'm gonna I'm not gonna try hey, that I'll,
1: I'll, I'll say, it. I'll <laughs> say it and then you finish the sentence on glass door individuals have more anonymity to
0: <laughs> thank you uh, I'm, I'm great at this. They have, they have more of that to be able to really speak the truth, right? Really tell the, the world what they're experiencing and feeling without fear of retribution, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you should absolutely do that. Look on Glassdoor, see what people are talking about, see what people like about the company to see if that aligns with what you're looking for. Also, see what people do not like about the company, uh, what they don't like about their managers, um, what they didn't like about the hiring, uh, the interview process, all that sort of stuff is important to know. Uh, I think there are some potential ways to get a little bit of, of culture out of when you are in an interview as well. Some things that I've tried to do in, in my, um, in my career, as I've done interviews, as I've interviewed at companies, um, has been to try to understand, uh, what their current work process is like. So what I mean by that is how the design team works, how the design team works with engineering, how the design team works with engineering and product um, to understand how what that culture looks like, how that process works, and also asking questions along the lines of what could be better about that process in your opinion. So that way you can a little bit understand like work culture. like. Um, you know, where, where are some potential areas where you, um, based on your experience could bring more value. So you could speak to, you know, how you could bring value to that. So that's kind of like the main thing of what I'm trying to do in a a job interview, but it also helps you understand, um, how a company typically likes to work. If, if engineering is always fighting with design or pointing fingers at product, um, the culture might not be as, uh, collaborative as you want it to be. It might be a little bit more fighting, uh, and so it might not. They might not be able to talk too much about, like you know, in-depth toxicity, or they they might not mention that there's lots of sexism or something like that going on in the company at that point. But you can get an idea, at least from the job interview that you're in, uh, in terms of how the company likes to work or, or currently works to get you know their their stuff out to get their the job done. Right, so mm-hmm. I think. I think those are some points that the individuals could potentially use to suss out uh, how a company would fit um, their needs. Uh, so I think that's 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 something I wanted to go down. There's something else that you mentioned, Patrick, that I thought was interesting, and um, you had mentioned um, basically there's there's the type of executive that's. <laughs> that's a uh, very toxic That's somebody you can't really change something you can't really affect. Right. Or there's the decision-making that's potentially poor. And I wanted to kind of unpack unpack how design could potentially help executives make better decisions. So help with, um, those executives that are, that are kind of leading the company potentially in the wrong direction, uh, I wonder how design could actually better affect that to make the, the overall culture, or the overall um, direction of the company um, improved. So is, is there anything, Patrick, that you can think of that design can do uh, to, to better that experience or to better that decision making for those executives?
1: Um, I think we've talked about this, too, before in the past. I think, it, I think it comes to facilitation. I think designers are in a great role to facilitate better decision making. Um, and not necessarily guide and direct decision-making, but I think, I think especially UX designers, like well-trained UX designers or experienced UX designers have a good, have a good way of taking, you know, feedback. They have that experience of taking feedback from different areas and sort of like siphoning it together and starting a conversation and, and coming up with a tool to better get knowledge out or synthesize data, right? Like. You know, all those, all the silly stuff you do with, you know, sticky notes and things like that, like those methods, um, can help people synthesize the data together. Right. And I think as a designer, I think you can do things like that. Like if, and I I don't know, it depends on your role. It depends on whatever. Maybe you can't get the executives into your, you know, into a room and be like, Hey, let's do affinity map about, you know, culture at the company. Like, I don't think you're going to be able to do that directly. But you could I mean, you can start with stakeholder interviews. I think stakeholder interviews are the most underrated thing that we that that we have in our tool bag. And I think we don't use it enough. But I think that's a really great way. I mean, most executives love to talk about themselves. They love to talk about their companies. Yeah. They love to talk about that stuff. And so and they and they love to talk about what drives them every day. So a stakeholder interview with an executive is actually pretty easy. It's not like you know a, a stakeholder interview with another designer or even you know a developer sometimes i think is more difficult to, to pull out their motivations and their behaviors and stuff like that but executives um especially c-level executives or vp level executives like they, they they have a mission that they're trying to uh get everybody to buy into and so i think when you go interview them you set up an interview and say hey, i just want to do a stakeholder interview and get your idea on where we are as a company and that kind of stuff, you know, I think m- more often than not, they're going to be excited to talk to you, even if you're just, you know, just an individual contributor on a team, mm-hmm. you know? Um, <clears throat> Cause, I think they just really want to make sure everybody's on that mission and on that path. And so I think you can get in that way and you can, you can do some stakeholder interviews and then just get a better understanding of where they're coming from. And then when when decisions arise or when you're working with your team, you know, I think you have a better knowledge of where the company's headed and then you can help sort of facilitate, well, look, Hey, we should probably do this or this or, you know, just facilitate more conversation around it. Um, you know, with that understanding, but I also think in those stakeholder interviews, um, you can make an impact, right? I think most uh, CEOs, unless you're like a large—I've never really worked for a like a mega company before, so I don't really know how that would work. But um, you know, most SaaS companies, even even companies that have you know a thousand employees, five hundred to a thousand, the CEOs and the executives are usually. Um, You know able to chat with you and so i think i think sitting down with them and talking to them about and even even bringing up you know after you talk to them about your stuff even bring up some of the stuff that you that you're dealing with in your department i think is something that um is important is an important data point for them to have and for them to know Mm -hmm. and could could have an influence i don't i don't think you're going to be directly making an impact you know um like I don't think you're gonna go in and be like, hey, we need to fix this, and they're gonna be like, yeah, we need to fix that. <laughs> that could happen, but I think it's gonna be more of an awareness, more of uh, of that kind of thing that could help drive uh, better decision making. You know, yeah. I think also you can do that as an individual contributor with your leadership because your leadership, um, you know, meets with the executive team regularly. Generally speaking, somehow, right? And I think if you're if you're bringing up stuff with them and being honest with them. Um, you know, I think those things will arise too inside of those executive meetings as well. So you know, and using design methods and using different things, you know, interviewing skills, things like that with your with your own managers, your own bosses and trying to you know you know, trying to trying to make sure they understand your behaviors and you understand their behaviors, I think goes a long way. It's great. If if it's what you're talking about where it's like, hey, I feel like we're not on the right we're not in the right direction. I feel like, you know, our executive team isn't making the right decisions or, you know, that kind of thing. If it's toxicity or if it's, you know, greed or something else, I'm not sure design's going to necessarily impact that that much, but yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. I would, I would definitely agree with that for sure. Um, yeah. And as you're talking about, um, helping, the decision process uh, for those executives and for your bosses or managers, right? I think, yeah, we have a lot of tools as designers to be able to potentially help with that. And again, it may not be a direct impact, but I think you can look for opportunities to, as you said, do those stakeholder interviews, and then you go off as a designer and you have the tools to be able to to do some research. And that's so important because you could show them the things that they're right about, uh, you could show them the things that they're wrong about, you know, and I think yeah, that's true. you can take that uh, that information that you learn, you know, doing that user research, you know, not just throwing spaghetti at the wall, but doing user research. Uh, you can really um, help the, potentially help that decision making process. And if you're if you're designing in the open, if you're showing your work um, saying, OK, here's 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 what our objective was. You know, here's what came from the top. Um, our, our executives said we were, we're going down this path. And so we went down this path, and here are some of the assumptions we had at the beginning. And you could list some of those assumptions to those executives, and um, you can then talk about, okay, this this assumption was proved correct based on this usability test, um, all, all the all these usability test results, um, and this assumption was proved incorrect. We we can't go that way. Our users totally don't agree with this, or this doesn't fit um, with a business model in some way, you know, you could, you could basically be able to show some of that information, um, in any sort of forum that is appropriate for it. Right. Don't just go barge in and, or, you know, stand up on your desk and (laughs) declare that the executive is wrong or anything. But I think it's, um, it's important to show that work that you do as a designer. It, It shows the value you bring, as we've talked about so many times in this podcast. And it also, it helps the, it helps the company understand the user because that's who you represent. And mm-hmm. that that is what your tool set is as a designer. That's essentially your job to bring that user perspective and um, help those executives understand that user perspective. They're going to have different perspectives that you don't have. Uh, business perspective um, that's way above your pay grade and your knowledge and skill set for sure. Um, so you want to marry that information with the information you get from those users and um, help them make decisions to the best of your ability. So I think I think that's what we can do to help with those uh, those potential poor decision making executives.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, just just doing what you said is going to at least bare minimum start the start a conversation, mm-hmm. which might not lead to much, but it <laughs> could lead to something, right? Like it, it could lead to something it's it kind of reminded me of when i was working at another company and there was i mean it's it's like five five hundred six hundred person company um so decent sized company and we would hang we would hang design concepts we just print them out and hang them on the wall mm-hmm. and it was an open office kind of environment and uh one morning our ceo walked past our wall where all that stuff was hung up and we always encourage people to write stuff down on those things right like you know like we, we could because like a developer might walk past and be like that looks weird or you know he'll write something down or they'll x like this out and pick this one you know kind of <laughs> like kind of like a long-term dot voting system a little yeah. bit you know like and our, and our ceo came by and looked at some of the designs and he wrote shit on one of them and then <laughs> but it started <laughs> but it started the conversation at least right and it exposed it and you know he he seemed interested in that whatever project that was and then that's kind of a point where you can sneak in some other stuff right you can sneak in you know you know you can talk about all the design stuff you want but you could you could slide in other things too that are more impactful if you wanted to so yeah just exposing your design exposing that and data you brought up data points and doing research like um i've worked for executives that have been really good and some of them you know not so good i think we all have those experiences i think in all cases though executives are driven by data because that's the only way they can make a decision because they're not necessarily on the ground you Mm know so they're looking at data so bringing data bringing research bringing you know factual things to an executive is also something that can can get a lot more influence than just an opinion, you know, just coming up, you know, just approaching them with, Hey, let's do a design thinking exercise. They're just going to roll their eyes. Right. She's just going to be like, why am I going to do that? I don't have time to do that. But if you, if you came and say, Hey, look, because, because we made this decision, it looks like, you know, our adoption rates lowering and blah, 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 Like if you bring in different research and say, okay, I've talked to users. They don't like this decision we made or whatever, (laughs) um, you know, that kind of data is going to be more impactful to them.
0: Yeah exactly and and being able to tie that to to the business i think is important we're not just saying like users don't like it but users don't like it and so our adoption rate is going down um this many of our clients or our, our customers have dropped in the past you know three months and we've lost this much revenue <laughs> i think that really yeah. speaks a lot to to those decisions and um, helping them make uh, better decisions in the future And also helping them to understand the importance of backing their decisions with research, I think is really important too. So I think there's a lot of of good examples, uh, good ways of working that design uh, can offer to executives. Uh, but there's only so much we can do, right? I think, as you said, like we could, it, it might just start the idea, <laughs> and I think if you do that right, and you you do your job, and you you show this information you're designing in the open, and even armed with this information, the executive goes the other direction, <laughs> you know, you might start to see this pattern, and you might start to understand this might not be the right company for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Going going back to the your question about like trying to understand company culture, trying to understand, you know, if there's toxicity or how the executives act when you're interviewing. I think a great way to do it is to look on social media. And I know, you know, as a as a hiring manager, I've never done this with employees. But I think executives tell a lot with their social media. So like <laughs> if you go on LinkedIn and look them up, like look them up on LinkedIn, and scroll through their feed and what they're posting. Okay. You know, you can get a sense of if they're just excited about what they're working on or if they're like bragging about what they're working on or if they're throwing people under the bus or like you can get a lot of what their mentality is. Like if you go if you go to a company's Instagram page or like an executive's Instagram page and you know all of his pictures are like like Dan Blazarian or something where it's like him in a machine gun with a bunch of girls in bikinis, you know, standing around him all the time. Like that may not be the kind of company you want. You know, that may not be the leadership that you want, you know? Yeah. And so I think, and maybe it is, maybe you're attracted to that and that's great. But like go, go to some of their Instagram pages. A lot of, a lot of leaders, a lot of executives don't have Instagram or they don't have, you know, LinkedIn's or anything like that, but some of them do. And so go to there and just see, you know, Right or wrong, like how are they how are they perceived? How do they present themselves? Right? How do they how how are they showing the world what they you know who they are and what they do? That's right?
0: interesting. I have never considered looking at an executive um, at their social to understand that company, but I think that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of hiring managers will go to. You know, if they say they're hiring a bunch of like IC roles, individual contributors, that they'll go to their Facebook, they'll go to their Instagram, and see like what type of person they are. Why yeah. not do that with <laughs> the people that <clears throat> that you're going to be associating yourself with as a company, right? I think that's really interesting. Go see if they're uh, tr- if all they do is trash talk competitors. Go see if if yeah. if all they do is um, elevate their their employees and talk about how great of work they do. Or, or go see if yeah they, if they're just posting photos of their their Lamborghini and stuff like that. You'll kind of get a pretty good sense of yeah. It kind of what well, it kind of reminds me
1: are. like it kind of reminds me of like Basecamp, right? Basecamp was so much on Twitter for so long. Like they made they made their name on social media, and then in the last year, you know, they had some trouble, and they were just saying the wrong things on social media, and I think people were perceiving it all kinds of. You know all kinds of different ways and they got a lot of static for it and they got a lot of stuff and to me that that was like an example of um my own personal belief that they have some poor leadership qualities and i wouldn't want to work for them but like that's a good way to find that out right like Mm -hmm. go to their twitter account and if they're constantly you know ragging on another company or they're you know, tearing down people, or they're elevating people artificially, or you know, you can just you can see some of that stuff. You know, and like if it's uncomfortable to you, then maybe, you know, maybe that's not the the, <laughs> the right thing to do. I don't know. It just it just depends. You know, like I don't think I think people on their social media is is a it's somewhat of a unfair reflection of who they are in real life. Sure. But if you're so just just like the just like the reviews, if you're going through reviews and you know, this you know people mentioning that rats are in their hotel room a lot, that means there's some truth to rats being in the hotels, right? So if you don't like rats, then it's probably not your hotel. But, like, if you go to social media, you go on their LinkedIn and their Twitter and their whatever, and there's a certain, you know, there's a certain thing that they keep bringing up over and over again that makes you uncomfortable, then that's, there's probably a reality to it because it's been brought up multiple times, you know, or a particular attitude or something like that. So, yeah just it's another way you could, you know, it's another possible way in our day and age that you can look and see if, if, uh, you know, there's some toxicity in the culture or not.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. Do your research, right. <laughs> as, as you said before, I to the people, uh, you know, that might work at that company or have worked there in the past, uh, do that research online. And part of that is looking at all the different avenues of research you could do. So there's, there's plenty i'm sure that we're not considering and i had not considered the idea of looking at an executive's social media but it makes a lot of sense so that's a really great point
1: just just <laughs> take twitter with a grain of salt cuz twitter has its way of bringing the worst out of people right andy <laughs> like it puts like this hex on people and they just say poor things sometimes on twitter that's not really <laughs> necessarily who they are um so you got to be careful with the Twitter, but I think everywhere else linkedin's great because that 's where they 're trying to put on their professional hat right yeah um and they 're trying to look they 're trying to look their best and so it 's like if you get on there and they 're saying some wild and crazy stuff that you don 't agree with or that seem toxic or bad, like then you know you're you're pretty safe there
0: i I love your your sentiment about twitter patrick just <laughs> just just on the side I think it's pretty interesting. <laughs> I wonder why it is that it brings out the worst in people. Is it just like Twitter's UI? Like you, you go into like do a new post and you just like start typing the wrong thing just because of like, I, I just don't know what, what would make an individual <clears> throat> act throat> that way differently on Twitter versus somewhere else.
1: <laughs> well, and Facebook is much more of a cesspool on purpose, right? They Facebook's algorithms are bringing they're br- they're bringing the hate out of people that they want they want people to express their hate but like uh twitter i don't know what it is man just i don't know if it's i don't know if they just need to lock it down during hours of the day you know like nobody can post between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. in the morning right i don't know cuz maybe when you get up too late and you're just like throwing random stuff on there or whatever i yeah.
0: don't know yeah maybe maybe there's a question they could ask Uh, their users right before they make a post like have you um, consumed this much alcohol in the past you know in the past two hours or have you had coffee yet this morning Um, ask questions like that to make sure maybe they're in the right frame of mind before they start (laughs) posting something toxic are you
1: laughing by posting this are you like more like cackling (laughs) you know like what's the attitude of you posting this yeah they, they. I did hear. And I don't know if this is true, but they're experimenting with a dislike button, which I think oh, great. Would, would just implode Twitter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that might break the universe, Patrick.
1: That just might, yeah. Just like antenna, you know, just might blow up every everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we go. <laughs> dislike button on Twitter.
1: Dislike button on Twitter. Excellent. <laughs> That'll make people feel real good about themselves. Yeah.
0: We, we can't put an edit an edit option on Twitter, but we can put a dislike. I think I think the problem is just edit is too hard. I just don't think that Twitter engineers can handle that. That's got to be it right?
1: Probably not. I mean, let's face it Twitter <laughs> Twitter has been exactly the same since since uh, I don't know 2007. Almost. Like I it really I remember hasn't changed. They,
0: they, one, they did like one thing. They like extended the amount of stuff you could put on a Twitter, on a tweet, right? Like yeah. it used to be like, I don't remember how many characters, but really small amount of characters. And they extended that to a certain amount. That was like one yeah. thing they did to change it.
1: I remember when they started doing like the, the threaded, like the kind of more like the threaded. They've always had a problem with a discussion on a tweet, right? Oh, yeah. Like commenting on a tweet, but they've never, nobody's ever able to solve it. They do all these weird things to solve it, but like, I don't know. It's but it's never really changed, you know? It's it's basically stayed exactly the same for the last 10 years. Yeah. Which is fascinating to me. Cuz what are they what are they working on? Are they like is there <laughs> Like they have like a lot of designers, but what are the designers working on? <laughs> Fleets, which is dead, right? Fleets, Fleets which is dumb. Yeah, nobody wants stories in their Twitter account. What?
0: No, no, Patrick. Every social media platform has to have stories. That's the way it works.
1: This could be a whole topic for. Yeah, this could be a whole topic for, for uh, an entire episode. But I just want, I just want to understand. Do have you? Do you? You've used you used a story component right on one of the social medias, haven't you? Patrick, stay
0: away. I, I'm too old to use one. Like I, you I've, barely use social I've,
1: media in the first place. Yeah,
0: I've consumed stories, but I don't understand them very much in comparison to a tweet or a, or a post. You know, like yeah. I don't get the difference between a story and a post. Other than you can consume it in a different way by tapping right or left, so I, I don't get them personally. I, I am very old. I have lots of gray hair. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I just don't get it. But yeah, sorry. What was your question?
1: <laughs> oh, I was just gonna. I was gonna ask the user. Everybody complains about the usability of stories and yeah. like, all these different apps, and how poorly designed stories are. And I, I, <clears throat> I would I would disagree. But I just I think the use the use the usefulness of stories is kind of stupid. Yeah. But the uh, but the usability of them I don't think is that terrible. I
0: think once I mean, you get there is it, there's a reason it's... why
1: everybody adopted it
0: what is the reason is it is the reason because there are i don't know it because they're popular that they, they get a lot of usage or is is it because it's it's intuitive is that the reason why everyone has stories like well i don't think it's
1: yeah i don't think it's difficult to use i've never i've only done a few story things before and it's never seemed that horrible to to dive into in in any of the platforms. But I think the platforms like them because they get a higher engagement. And so if somebody's saying that like you get a higher engagement on this, that means you' that means like there's a correlation between usability, right hmm. I just the usefulness, I don't really understand them from a user perspective other than like an influencer. That's like the only yeah. That's like like a normal average Joe person is not gonna use fleets or stories that often. It's, they're definitely designed to to you know to be an influencer's tool. In my in my mind, and that's why I think they're they're popular.
0: Yeah, they're very interesting. I just yeah, if you consider like in in typical social media, you know, mobile application, you're scrolling up and down, right? You're just scrolling up, looking at stuff, and you have control. You have a lot of control over what you're seeing. Uh, <laughs> with but then they added this other component called stories. It's a horizontal sort of thing that you're clicking on these people. And then it kind of like just shows content and then switches to the next content and shows it. And it kind of reminds me of like, if you're doing like that, like visual brainwashing where you like strap somebody to a chair and you put a screen in in front of them and they have no control over what's on the screen. That's kind of like what I (laughs) feel like the, so like I, I get what you're saying, like the high engagement because like these like, this content is so short and it just like goes from one thing to the next and it just immediately <laughs> plays it. It's just like that. And you're just like Yeah. You you can interact with it, but it's not super obvious how to do it at the beginning. Uh so yeah, I think that is interesting. And maybe that's why many people, uh many platforms want to implement something like that, because there it is higher engagement and I get why, because it's just strapping you to a chair and making you watch a bunch of stuff at once.
1: Mm-hmm. and throwing an yeah, ad in the middle of that. It's basically forced engagement, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah.
0: It's like show an ad for like a split second so it just burns into your <laughs> retina before you get into the next one.
1: Well, even because you to, you have to see it. This is the problem I always have with self-generated content too is you, see, you have to see it to know if you can skip it, right? Yeah. So it's always like you, you have to see it and then go, ah, I don't like that and skip it. And so I I feel like that's where we get in trouble with, you know, privacy and all that kind of stuff or, you know, people put people posting themselves doing horrible things and on YouTube and some kid sees it before it gets reported. Right. Like that kind of stuff. But like that's the same model. It's like we're just going to show it to you in somewhat of a random order. (laughs) Right. So you're sort of just like going through and and whether you not you keep whether or not you're you're just skipping through all of them, like you still see part of it. Right, Mm -hmm. You just still see part of it. So yeah, it's like the subliminal. It's like in Clockwork Orange where they open up his eyes and make him, (laughs) you know, those little metal things and make him watch all those horrible things to desensitize his violence, just like that. Yeah. Anyway, if you're going to survive executives, you should probably just go find another job. That's my take at the end of the day. If you're to a point where... You're wondering how to survive. You need to go find another job. That's my advice. That's my dear Abby advice to Dotty, the anonymous listener.
0: Well, that's great. Yeah, I, I, we did, we did talk about finding out what the problem is. Potentially try to identify mm-hmm. the problem. If it's poor decision-making, you could maybe make a difference. Um, if it's anything else, <laughs> then you're probably at of luck, and you should look for another job. <laughs>
1: Well just the fact just the fact going back to the original question, it's like how do you survive? Like look, you don't wanna survive. That's not <laughs> the point to, of having yeah. a job.
0: <laughs>
1: like you wanna thrive, you don't wanna survive and so you know maybe you can survive temporarily, but I don't like just like throw it's like asking a it's like asking a professional swimmer, like, how do you not drown? They're just gonna tell you like you just flow your arms and not drown, right? It's like <laughs> just survive. Do it temporarily until you can find another gig where you feel like and when you go find another gig you know do some do some investigation on their culture and see if you can figure out if it's toxic or if it's you know yeah. their executives are bad or whatever
0: we, we haven't talked about one other thing that you could do there's there's one more possible solution Patrick. One more. yeah to to how to survive at a company with poor executives and I would say that is to be become an executive. <laughs> probably to become the CEO so you can fire all the poor executives. So you're gonna have to climb that. this is going to be difficult. This is the long game. You're gonna have to climb that ladder. You, you're coming in as a designer. you're an IC designer. you're gonna have to climb that ladder. And if it's a poor executive that's like toxic, you're probably gonna have to be toxic to get all the way to the top along yeah. with them so this probably isn't the right way to go but it's possible you can kind of be a double agent here and then when you get to the top you kick them off the side of the cliff right you you fire all those poor executives and hire better ones so that's that's another yeah. option you could consider
1: that that is a good uh, i'm not gonna say that's a good option but that's another option it's another option basically what you're saying is you got to play the game of thrones like yeah. that's what you're saying. Yeah. And and that never ends well yeah. generally speaking. You have to hope so, you
0: don't become the poor executive by the time by the end of the journey, right? That you don't like yeah, s- you stay that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you gotta you gotta be the devil to take down the devil and at some point you're just gonna turn into the devil. Uh-huh. Right? So you gotta you gotta be careful.
0: You do. And that's definitely the, probably the hardest solution of all of these but patrick it is our job as as podcasters as co as co-hosts to to give all the facts right patrick not exhaust just... all possibilities exactly yes. so we have to
1: you could totally you could totally donnie brasco the situation you could totally go undercover in the mob and donnie brasco the situation but i just want to remind you go at least watch the movie donnie brasco to see how that ends before you make that decision <laughs>
0: That's a good call. <laughs> I assume that didn't end anyway, well. Anyway, I hope so. so. <laughs> I haven't seen that one, yeah, Patrick. Yeah, it, it doesn't end really okay.
1: well. Most undercover type investigations don't end, you know, real peachy. Yeah,
0: there's there's always those scenes when they really want you to show if you are, who they, who they think you are, right? They want mm-hmm. you to show your true colors, what they like want you to kill some other guy right show that you're not some cop or you don't have a wire you know so you might run into the same sort of
1: scenario with the other toxic executives too as you're climbing that ladder Mm -hmm. so you're you're gonna you're either gonna you either conform too much into the world yeah and start to understand it too much or you wind up losing the people you love in return for the the goodness you could make right like (laughs) just like an undercover cop even though if an undercover cop goes into the mob for you know five long years and becomes a mobster to get all the information and actually doesn't you know and comes out there with a good you know a good like they at the end they like arrest everyone and stuff like that they come out not knowing who their family is not seeing their kids grow up mm-hmm. not you know all of that stuff they've missed so much to do this one thing and so it's it never ends well right it just never ends well yeah yeah, you, so, you've missed so
0: much. You've changed, and you've probably done a lot of bad things in the process, right? You've
1: yeah, you could have hurt a lot. Contributed more
0: to that toxicity, so you really got to be careful. But if 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 you can so, pull that off, that's a bad <laughs> without hurting <yeah>. anybody. <laughs> uh, more power to you. That'd be great. That'd be a great story. We'll have you come on the pod, interview <laughs> we'll you about how you were able to um, stage a coup and <laughs> kind of. Um take over leadership. I think that'd be a pretty interesting story. Yeah.
1: Yep. Be fascinating. Okay, Andy. I think that's it.
0: Yeah, that's those are all the possibilities. Um I think we've answered that question pretty well. We've done it.
1: Okay. There you go, Dottie. Have fun. <laughs> survive in the toxic environment you're in. Yes. And I hope that you either you know can can make an impact or you can move on and find a place where you can thrive not just survive i hope so too god bless you (laughs) we should just end the the podcast on that every (laughs) just like a really somber god bless you
0: we know your life is so hard as a designer (laughs) we're here for you That sounds great. Just
1: end the pod and every podcast with, you know, a single set of footsteps on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so we're, that's what we're here for, Andy. We're here to we're here to hold you in times of need.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Those are our footsteps.
0: And then the <laughs> our our end credit music kicks in that's like completely out of that tone. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. That's a great way to go.
1: Good way. Good way.
0: Okay. Well, see Andy. All right, Patrick. Talk to you later.
1: Thanks for listening to the pod. Real quick before you take off, we need your topics. Shoot an email to topics at designmuch.org or go to designmuch.org slash contacts and fill out the form. If you enjoy this episode and want to support us, go ahead and share the pod with some friends, coworkers, your weird aunt, that guy who takes your money every morning at the McDonald's, your hamster, really just whoever you want to. Lastly, go grab a Design Much t-shirt at designmuch.threadless.com and wear it freaking proudly. That's it, guys. Now have a good week, design nerds.